everyone. Welcome to The Boot. That's right. It's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots, so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, we'll be tackling the beloved action sci-fi classic, The Fifth Element, starring Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, Gary Oldman, Ian Holm, Chris Tucker. This movie is shockingly good. Yeah. Okay. I think arguably, though, the star of this movie is Gary Oldman's hair. He hates this movie. Which is insane because it's his own fault that he <laughs> that he decided to do this movie without reading the script. I am Corbin Dallas. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Yeah. Multipass. Lila, uh, multipass. You know this multipass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlyweds. Just met. Multipass. You know how it is. Bump into each other. Sparks multipass. happen. Yeah, she knows it's a multipass. Yeah, anyway, we're in love. I actually think what's really brilliant about this movie is that it is an insane space romp about how love can defeat evil. And it's only with love as the fifth element that evil will cease to exist in the universe. That's what this movie's about. That's what it's about. But along the way, you get like a crazy great performance from five iconic actors that really, I don't know. I, I won't say like they have no business being good, but it's sort of, I feel like this movie teeters on a razor's edge of being the movie it is and being a complete utter disaster. Oh yeah. And it just, every, every single second of it, it's just, it just stays, stays the course. And I think it's one of the best movies maybe ever made. I I really cherish this movie for a lot of the things that they chose to do with it. Yeah. And so Ken and I are going to pick five characters from this movie and see if we can recast it as if the movie was to be made today uh, with a little bit of a twist. But before we do that, let's talk about some reboot news that's coming up. Uh, did you watch this new Hellboy trailer? I did. Starring David Harbour from Stranger Things, replacing Ron Perlman, which is really strange. Like, Ron Perlman seems really hung up on the fact that he doesn't get to play Hellboy anymore. I feel like he's playfully trying to be like, well, somebody else is doing it. But deep down inside, he's like, I'm too old for this. I think he's hurting real bad about it. Yeah. And this this new movie, I think, is also like, I'm suspect of it Mm -hmm. because... Guillermo del Toro's vision of Hellboy's universe is so well designed that it's really hard to watch this movie and be like, oh, this this sort of, I mean, it kind of falls short of a visionary look that the originals had. But I think David Harbour, his take seems pretty, you know, new and exciting that I kind of want to see it. So so it's I'm kind of like, you know, 50-50. I just feel so bad for Ron Perlman, who's just like at home, like painting his face red and looking in the mirror and being like, you are the Hellboy. Uh. I can't say necessarily that I'm a fan of Hellboy. Mm-hmm. And I, I get where people are coming from because I do like Guillermo del Toro. Big GDT believer. But I don't think I'm like particularly attached to his version in any way. And so watching this trailer just made me feel like it's more of the same. You made me a damn weapon. I just wanted to help you become the best you. Some dads get their kids Legos. They just completely replaced the cast. Which when you think about the difference, it's exceptionally different what they're doing with this version considering like who is in Hellboy. I don't know. I, I guess I was kind of thinking about this like um, – first of all, the balls on them for just calling it Hellboy. Mm-hmm. 
and not even like adding a new like colon at and the end. And not like Hellboy colon, colon redemption. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> no, it's Hellboy again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was just sort of thinking about this because I used to read the Hellboy comics when I was uh, – a little, a little kid. Uh, no, I was a much older emo teen. Um, <laughs> but to me, it's like there's so many different adventures that you take Hellboy on. I feel like this property would best be served on a premium cable show as like an HBO series uh, or like AMC where you can like tune in and each season is like maybe one of the books because there's nothing really – I don't know. Maybe it's just that I've forgotten it, but there's nothing really that like draws me into Hellboy other than the fact that he's like an interesting, he's, he's almost like a super, this is, might be blasphemous for me to say, but he's almost just sort of like a demonic Indiana Jones in a little bit of a way. Like just to see him in different kind of adventures is interesting. I just don't know if I want to see a movie about him every two years. Like I think I would rather see like, you know, what they do with him in an eight episode Netflix show or something like that. But also I think this is a testament to just the power of the people in that I'm certain that much of the excitement about this film is that – I don't know if this originated with him or with somebody suggesting it, but the idea that like David Harbour wanted to be Hellboy and people were like, hey, that's a good idea. And then everybody was like, yeah, we should see this. And they were like, great, we'll just reboot the franchise. Like if this is what the people want, we we just – we won't like – just replace him in the story. We'll just start again and give them fresh, cool Hellboy. Yeah, I agree. You know, and sorry, Ron, we're rooting for you. <laughs> Dear Ron Perlman, we hope everything goes okay. <laughs> Sincerely, us. Um, okay, should we move on to Candyman again? We're back on the Candyman. Tony Todd has appeared in this podcast way more than I ever imagined when I, we first conceived it. As I was reading this article, I was reminded of that part in Chicago. And there's that part where they're like, in an act of, uh, Vilma Kelly, in an act of desperation. I'm like, this is his Tony Todd in an act of desperation moment. Okay. So here's the thing. Candyman is being remade by Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw. Awesome. Initially, Tony Todd was like, cool, yeah, maybe I'll be involved. Haven't really talked to anybody about it. Awesome. Well, now Tony Todd is on uh, or has been on the promotion circuit for Hellfest, a movie that probably nobody saw, but I'm not going to speak ill of because it could be okay. And people are asking him a lot about it. And now he is just doubling down and is sort of like, I want to be in it. It sort He said, I want to be part of the project one way or the other, but it sort of feels like he's like, I have to be in this movie. I have to be in this movie because I originated this character. And if they don't bring me in, what kind of disrespectful business are we in? I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me. Like, it legitimately, because he says, I'm sure if Boris Karloff was asked the same thing, he would say exactly what I say. I don't know if that's true. I mean, the quote is, I want to be a part of the project one way or the other. Like, like one way is he plays Candyman and the other is he's not in it. <laughs> I feel it. It's just, it feels like he has been too much 
a part of the conversation. Yeah. And I feel a little bad because I'm like, Tony, just disappear a little bit. Yeah. Have your private conversation with Jordan about how you feel about it and then let it go. I'm not excited about a Candyman movie. I've never seen Candyman. I like Tony Todd. I think he's like he's anytime he's beast. <laughs> A beast. He's filled with beasts. But like anytime Tony Todd's on screen, I'm like, oh shit. Like, yeah, Tony Todd is a really great character actor. He's a commanding presence. I just am like, if there's going to be a new thing, like I think. He needs to walk away. I think he needs to bow away. And at a certain point, I think in this industry, you have to recognize that it's about longevity. And so there's a point in your career where you need to hand the reins over to somebody else. You hear that, Ron Perlman? <laughs> I just had this vision of Tony Todd and Ron Perlman just like getting lunch and they're all just their heads in their hand like. What did we do? I, I just, it feels very, it feels desperate and unfortunate. And we, as we have clearly said, we love Tony Todd, but as a, we should just let the reboot exist as its own thing. Right. Especially, and here's where it probably really lies, is that Jordan Peele is so hot right now. Everything he touches, people are going to be on like that. Us looks fantastic. It could be garbage and I would – I don't care who tells me that. I will sit in the movie mm-hmm. theater yeah. and watch it. I just, I hope both of these guys uh, continue to work but in new and greater things that we both enjoy them in. Uh, okay. Guys, this is our recast of The Fifth Element. The Mondachi one have in their possession the only weapon to defeat evil. Four elements. Gathered around the fifth, the supreme being, the ultimate warrior, created to protect life. Together they produce what the ancients called the light of creation, able to bring life to the farthest reaches of the universe. But if evil stands there, then what? Then light turns to dark, life to death, forever. The Fifth Element stars Bruce Willis as Corbin Dallas, Mila Jovovich as Lilu Multipass, uh, <laughs> Gary Oldman as Zorg, Ian Holm as Vito Cornelius, and Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod, the beloved shock jock. Um, where do we start? Where do we start we with this? We start with our rule. Oh, yeah. For this episode. We made a rule. We made a rule because you know what? We wanted to challenge ourselves. So this is an iconic science fiction movie. Highly regarded, completely amazing. Should I keep talking as if this is the best thing I've ever seen? (laughs) And doing science fiction, it occurred to me that maybe we try – there were obvious choices to be made here. Uh There were very obvious choices. And I wanted to push us to make the not obvious choice. Yeah. And so for this episode, we are trying to – I honestly don't know if I screwed this up in any way, shape, or form. But we tried not – to cast any actors who have ever done a science fiction movie before. And so we were talking about what does that mean? Because th- there's a lot of movies out there that could claim to be quote unquote science fiction. So we kind of wrote a little bit of a guideline for ourselves, which was um, nothing that had like spaceships or aliens or lasers yeah. or space. All classic science fiction. Um, was there another one? Like do we, we didn't say AI, did we? But I mean, you know, anything like that. But like DNA manipulation, fair game, right? Yeah. Monsters. Monsters, fair game. Superheroes. Uh, Superheroes, fair game. Like I think the superheroes, it's like you could argue movie by movie, which is science fiction and which isn't science fiction. But um, 
That's kind of where well, superheroes are real. So <laughs> by definition, it is science fact. Yeah, speaking of Bruce Willis, Unbreakable is a true story. Um, <clears throat> so that's what we were thinking. So that we can, we challenged ourselves, and I'll got, I'm going to admit, literally an hour before I came here, I I was spinning because I wanted to cast a woman who I thought was perfect for the character of Lilu, but she had done not just one but two science fiction oh movies, gosh. and I was like, all right. So I I mean, this was about choices. Like there came a point where I became so angry with Jason Statham for being in Ghosts of Mars, I didn't know what to do with myself. I know. I would think of an actor and then I would scroll through his IMDb and then I'd be like, damn it, Channing Tatum, why did you have to do Jupiter Jupiter Ascending? Ascending. Yep, I thought about him. (laughs) And honestly, lots of very obvious choices and... There's lots of people who have played parts like this before. And so I'm hoping that we came to some conclusions that are good, not just acceptable, but good. Yeah. And just a little more interesting than maybe what we would have chosen originally. Uh, I'm going to warn people listening that you're probably going to want your IMDb on this one. You're probably going to want to follow along and, and see who we got. Because I don't I don't know how many people know the people I picked. Oh, I think I'm good. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about this movie because uh, it's incredible. And you had never seen it in mm-hmm. its entirety? or no. in. I've, I've definitely seen clips from this movie, but uh-huh. I was watching it and being like, oh, like this is the story yeah. of this movie. I had no idea. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think Bruce Willis is like an entirely different kind of actor when he has hair. And he's so charming and enjoyable. We need to find the leader. Mangalores won't fight without the leader. Everyone watch out. We start getting hostages. That's the leader. Send someone to negotiate. Anybody else want to negotiate? Let's talk about Bruce Willis. Like, this is our second Bruce Willis movie. And within those two movies that we've done, I've just wildly become enthralled with this man's range and his ability to kind of draw you in with just a look. He's a good actor. He is phenomenal. Like, pay this man all of the money. Like, Mm -hmm. going through this, I was like, how hard is it to find a leading man? Then you watch him do all these things, and it's like, this is almost impossible like so all the people out there like the Hemsworths and the Pratts we should start appreciating the things that they actually are doing now Mm -hmm. because I don't think these guys don't come along all the time honestly when Chris Hemsworth five years from now is doing much more self-serious work we are going to miss who he was yeah now and it's coming Should we get into it? Uh, Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis. So we uh, we were talking about Bruce Willis, and Corbin specifically is very hard mm-hmm. to pull off because Corbin is simultaneously the coolest person you've ever met while also being kind of like a big loser who is resigned to the fact that his life stinks. Yeah. He's charming yet intimidating. Mm-hmm. He's funny yet emotional and vulnerable. These are boxes that are not easily checked. And mm-hmm. especially when you add on this extra layer that we're not casting anyone from a, who has appeared in a science fiction movie. Like the yeah. usual suspects are now, you know, off limits. This was very difficult. Not my worst one, but it was it was a struggle. Should I go first? I, I feel like I'm I'm in a frenzy now. Do it. 
do it. Just get um, it off your chest. Right. So what's funny is like you you actually mentioned this guy last week and I had I had picked him before that. So I just want to let you know that it wasn't okay. you didn't inspire me. Okay. <laughs> I'm of my own. I'm my own person. I have my own wow. thoughts. Wow. Um, I wish you guys could see Brian's yeah. face right now. Um, I, ended up, <laughs> I ended up picking John David Washington mm. from Black Klansman and Ballers. And the reason is, and I'm not, and here's the thing. I think he's a great actor. I don't know yet if he can check all of these Bruce Willis boxes. He's not an action star. I think that like what interests me a lot is like the transformation of actors into action stars. Like mm-hmm. Chris Pratt. I keep talking about Chris Pratt, but Chris Pratt was like the funny chubby guy. Yeah. And is now one of the most successful action stars of the last 10 years. So I'm not worried about that aspect. I guess what I am thinking about with him is I think he's really funny and really charming. Yeah. I also think that he can pull off the emotional moments of when Corbin falls in love with Lilu. I was on my way over to see you and a big fair fell on my lap. You know, one of these really big fairs that you just can't resist. How? How big? Five nine. Blue eyes, long legs, great skin. Perfect. Corbin, to me, also sort of seems like he's a little bit on the other side of, like, he's sort of cresting on the downward slope of his life. Yeah. And John David Washington, son of Denzel Washington, is really young. Like, he's sort of on the on the upper crest of that hill. Yeah. So that's the only, like, weird thing about it. But I think he's a really great actor. And I think last week you even said he is a rising star and we are all about the rising, the rising stars. stars. Yeah. We should just change the name of the boot to rising, rising stars. stars. <laughs> So that's who I picked. Um, what are your thoughts on Mr. John David How Washington? How old is he? 34. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. He's 10 years older than me. <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> because it's so unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm doing okay. You're doing great. Um... I think that's a great choice. I agree that I I feel like I I struggle picturing him in the part because and this was the goal. Like we haven't seen him do anything like this. But given how odd this character is, why not? Why not find somebody with charisma? Um why not find the pre-Guardians Chris Pratt? Right. And just believe that they're going to sit inside the world Comfortably. Because I feel like a a big, like, trademark for me is that first scene where we meet Corbin and he goes outside and the mugger is trying to mug him. Give it a gun! That's a very dangerous gun. You know, maybe you better let me hang on to this one for you, huh? Take it. I don't need it! The mugger is the best character in this whole I love that scene. Give me the keys! My friends, when my friends watch this movie, I mean, this movie came out when I was in like middle school, I guess. And we, when we would like rent it or want to be on TV, like that was our favorite scene. Because who gave this man direction? Like who told this guy to be as tweaked out as possible? Like it's insane. It's crazy. And then, like when he takes the gun and he's like, I don't need it. (laughs) It's just like. It's so perfect. But it takes a lot for Bruce Willis to just kind of stand there and absorb yes. what's happening to him in and that way. He is so cool about it. But also, like, there's a point where he sort of breaks down and smiles at him because he's like, I'm not in danger. This guy's just a kid who yeah. wants to, like, 
pardon the phrase, it is his save the cat moment where we're like, he doesn't take his gun, like kick him back in the nose and like push him out the door. He like takes his gun and is like, have a nice day. Yeah. Like you, that is the signature of the character we're about to watch. And so I think that's the most important thing. Like he has to be, you have to see him sort of recognize that and be like, yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah. It's a testament to the world that this movie takes place in that it's very bright, very colorful, mm-hmm. kind of kooky and fun. Mm-hmm. And like Luke Basson, who directed the movie was notably like, I do not want a dark shadowy sci-fi. I want yeah. a sci-fi that's bright and crazy. And I think that's why this movie has lasted for so long because not like no other sci-fi really kind of does that in that in this vein. I mean, like Galaxy Quest, but that's sort of like a straight comedy. Star Mm -hmm. Wars is more of like a fantasy space Western. Every everything else that I can really think of is like really dark and high contrast and spooky. And that moment is just like another underlying sort of message to the audience that is just like this world may look crazy but it's still like a real world like any other like the world you actually live in it's just way in the future and things just look different um anyways yes i am gushing over this movie so when it who who did you pluck from obscurity oh i definitely didn't pluck anyone from obscurity i picked a very well-known actor who has never been in a science fiction movie and honestly i can't believe i'm about to put him in this movie but Hear me out. I picked John Krasinski. Hmm. And here's why. I think even though he may not want to admit it, his bread and butter is quirky, lovable, friend, all-American dude, John Krasinski. And without making him the sort of lovable Jim Halpert, I think he can... In something like this, and he's departed into the action genre. The man is capable. Yeah. But I think for something like this, I would enjoy seeing him mix genres, fully take hold of the the charm and charisma that people love about him, and just have some fun with it. I didn't come here to play Pumbaa on the radio. So tomorrow from five to seven, you're going to give yourself a hand. I think that's a really good pick. I I think what's funny is like this movie, if you are going to be the lead of it, Mm -hmm. you have to be comfortable with taking a risk. Mm -hmm. And I think John Krasinski, I'm not sure how risk taking he is because I think he's like really burned about being Jim from the office. But it's like, yes, you can still be funny and charming and action oriented. Like you can stick. That's why we like you. Like I keep talking about Chris, Chris Hemsworth, right? Chris Hemsworth was like a good looking guy. He played a superhero and then he discovered that he was hilarious. And instead of being like, oh, well, I don't want to be that character from Ghostbusters. He was like, I want to only be this character from Ghostbusters with all the other things that I can do. And I think that's endeared us to him even more. I think Krasinski is trying to push that down. And so I agree with you. Like if he was to take this movie or a movie like this, that would definitely pique my interest and a lot of people's interest to be like, oh, he's not like the caring dad from a quiet place that's like trying to fix his daughters. It's like 
No, he's like a crazy, out of luck space taxi driver <laughs> that falls in love with an alien woman yeah. sent to save the world. Like, that's crazy. And Taylor's I think. Taylor's oldest time. Yeah. I bet he's going to be in a science fiction movie in the next three years. Like, all of these people. I was thinking about this. Fifth Element is great because mm-hmm. you would never assume these, these actors to be in a science fiction. Yeah. And then I kept looking at all the actors that I wanted to pick and the movies that they chose to be in science fiction movies. And I was like, I think that's the key to science fiction is pick people who have never been in science fiction yeah, and just see how they work, see how they gel. And with this particular movie, it worked incredibly well. And with some other science fiction movies, it just it just doesn't doesn't at all. Yeah. All right. Uh, Good choice. Thank you. Let's move on to who I consider the the, was the hardest one to pick, which is Lilu Corbin Dallas Multipass. Um, <laughs> played by Mila Jovovich, um, who had a crazy origin story. Cause I was trying to find out like, is there any woman kind of like this actress? And like, the answer is no, no one is like Mila Jovovich. <laughs> Nobody I, in mm. this world, I think sits in their s- specific wheelhouse the way this woman does. Mm-hmm. Like you can see a movie and whether she's in it or not be like, she would do this movie. Yeah. It's rare that you see her, which there's no shame in this. It's rare that you see her step outside of the range, which is fine because genuinely, and I think possibly because this isn't, I don't, I don't, I I don't want to say this isn't something we're ready to accept, but I think we tend to put her in a lower sphere of actor because she does action movies. Yeah. She does specifically Resident Evil. Only Resident Evil. Only movies. Resident Evil. She does action movies and she's really good at it. And I think we tend to look at women who take parts like that and think like, well, they're not like action stars. Yeah. Like it's all about like getting hot girls to – but she, this is her bread and butter. She sits in that pocket so nicely yeah. that actually there's nobody else right. who could conceivably do this. So who did you who did you go with? Okay. So I picked Abby Lee. Because I was watching Mad Max Fury Road this weekend. And I think she's incredible. Uh, She is one of the model wives in Mad Max. She's also in The Neon Demon. She's in The Dark Tower. She plays a lot of bit parts. I feel like you're about to reprimand me for something. (laughs) I just don't know. Like other than Mad Max, which I don't really remember her super well because was she the pregnant one no that, that was, was riley keogh Rosie huntington Rosie huntington see i guess it's like riley keogh was the one with the red hair right and it was like Charlize theron riley keogh zoe kravitz her and who was the pregnant one Rosie huntington Rosie huntington i feel like of those five women she might have got lost in the shuffle for me because i think she um, has the most so i don't know i just don't know her i just i don't know her work she had the most unique look and I think the way um, – the movie is pure genius insanity. Mm-hmm. But the way she plays this sort of bit part as I think the um, – it's an accurate way to describe this. Not like spiritual, but she is like the connected to the universe, I think, kind of character. And I I liked that for her, the sort of detached, beautiful, but mysterious, a little odd – 
I don't know. I just assume she would also learn a fake made up language. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Boom, yeah. I understand boom. They made up a real language together. The trivia said that they, they like, would started dating speak and... to each other in this fake made-up language. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, How badly have you ever wanted to connect with a person <laughs> of the opposite sex that you... <laughs> Again, I don't know... I don't know that actress well. But, like, I think Lilu... I know we, we tend to not try and cast by look but Lilu has to have some kind of look she's not exactly human mm-hmm. but she's also very lovely in a way that you know you, you you know you the the love story of this movie is the crux of it like yeah like you said love is the only thing that can defeat evil mm-hmm. so she definitely has a look well i found an actress who was perfect for this okay. and then wow. found out she was in two science fiction movies so okay. i had to give her the boot and i Picked, I ended up picking a woman who I don't know if many people uh, know, but the reason I picked her is because, yes, she has she's very, very beautiful. But I remember when I saw her and the thing I watched her and I was I, I was really like she is so strange looking that it was almost like familiar. But I knew that I had never seen her before, which I thought was a really interesting way to kind of think of Lilu is like you you know that she is physically looks human. But she's not anything you've ever seen. She's vaguely <clears throat> human. Yeah. Okay, so I picked – I don't know if I'm going to say her name correctly. But I picked Stephanie Corneliuson from Mr. Robot. Yes. And the reason I picked her is because Lilu is a, a very childlike character. Everything she sees has, like, a great wonder to her. Mm-hmm. And, like, she loves all things that are good. Like, every, like everything in Cornelius' apartment is so charming. And she's, like, eating the chicken. And she's just, like, learning. What's she doing? Learning art history. The last 5,000 years that she's missed. Been asleep for quite a while, you know. Can. Good. It's adorable. Yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> but then there's also, like, something, like, fierce and ferocious inside her. Which is kind of what brought me to Stephanie. Uh, because in Mr. Robot, she's, like, very cunning. And very... Um, she seems very dangerous. Now, I haven't seen all of season three and four of Mr. Mm-hmm. Robot, so I don't know where her character kind of goes. But she also – I feel like she can play those, like, softer, more innocent things. But this actress does a lot of, like, really crazy, daring things in that show. Like, she has a lot of, like, BDSM sex scenes in that show that I'm like – that's, like, a really hard thing for an actor to kind of do. Mm-hmm. And, like, Lilu has to, like, kind of writhe around and, like – um, have all these like crazy fight scenes and do like being like kind of a lot of compromising positions cinematically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I think this, this woman has, you know, not a knack, but is experienced in that way. And so that's how I kind of saw her is like, she, she's someone who you would be, you'd be enticed by, but you know, could probably also learn how to kick butt. She's very, uh, both of these women that we picked seem very, very frail people because they're both like models. So yeah. Models aren't real people. Models aren't real people. <clears throat> Vaguely human, am I right? <laughs> um, I, I've never seen Mr. Robot. I probably should at some point. But I believe that you've made a good choice. Thank you. Thank so you. So don't 
don't try to pull the rug <laughs> out from under me, okay? Because okay. I'm trusting you. Let's move on to Zorg. What a great name. As an actor, you want to play characters named Zorg. You know, except for Gary Oldman, who did not want to do this movie. But he did. He did do it. And he, he took, he, like, he took this movie fully not knowing what it was. And he's great in it. Life, which you so nobly serve, comes from destruction, disorder, and chaos. Now take this empty glass. Here it is, peaceful, serene, boring. But if it is destroyed, look at all these little things. Uh, I well. love, I love his every choice he makes. Uh, he, the cherry scene, the cherry pit scene is phenomenal. I did love his moments. little like pet. Yeah. The little elephant guy. The little like. Yeah. Um, that was cute. Yeah. This was hard because it's like Gary Oldman really goes to 120%. And I don't know if you. But at the same time, it all seems so lackadaisical. <laughs> well, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if you, if you pick an actor who's, who is going to play it grounded, if you're going to enjoy it. As much. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to pick the best actor I can find who could play a villain really well, who I love watching, and I'll let him choose how he wants to do it. And so I believe this man has not been in any science fiction. Um, but I picked Matthew Reese from The Americans. Okay. And I just think he has such a great sinister quality that you you want to you wanna watch him, you know, mm-hmm. be evil. He's definitely caliber wise on par with uh Gary Oldman at the time. Like, yeah. You're taking a prestige actor right. and pulling them into a uh, comic book, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And expecting like a Mobius comic book. And expecting it to be this like over the top maybe. Maybe that's what he expected. Maybe that's know. just what Gary Oldman was like, this is what you're getting. <laughs> I honestly think the performance works, but like I so your best villains, anytime they're on the screen, like you shouldn't not want to watch them. So I, uh, he's someone that I just am so captivated by. And I don't think he's done science fiction. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's who I picked. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know much about him other than the Americans. Did you see him on that episode of Girls where oh, he was a he bad sex boy? The Post. He was in The Post, yeah. I don't. I know what I recently saw him in. Have you ever seen uh, – was that Bradley Cooper movie? Burning? Burnt? Burning. It's Burnt. I wish it movie. was called Burning. And he plays Bradley Cooper's like nemesis, like arch nemesis. Oh. It's pretty funny. He's an arch nemesis. Yeah. What a weird – gosh, Bradley Cooper's career is odd. Um, He's probably going to win An Oscars. Oscar. <clears throat> Multiple. I'll call it. He is winning Oscars for this movie. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, this is this is what it's all about, taking people out of their comfort zone, putting them into a new environment, and asking these actors to do a weird southern accent. Okay, so I picked someone, because I think the joy of Zorg is that there's just humor to it. <clears throat> Whether intentional or unintentional, there's just something, like, funny about him. Mm-hmm. I'm screwed. You asked for a case. We brought you a case. A case with four stones in it. Not one or two or three, but four. Four stones. What the hell am I supposed to do with an empty case? We are warriors, not merchants. But you can still count. Look, it's easy. Look at my fingers. Four stones, four crates, zero stones, zero crates. 
And so I feel like I wanted to pick someone who maybe we wouldn't imagine in this part, but who I think would bring a sort of foolishness to it that we find enjoyable that we're not like, I mean, sure. I'm like making fun of him because it's all sort of insane, Mm -hmm. but it is on purpose in the sense that he's supposed to be like this. Yeah. I picked Andrew Garfield. What? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that's good or bad. I honestly don't know. (laughs) But I think that is, I think, I think that's what I want you to think. Wow, I'm going to have to – I might have to – this might keep me up at night. <laughs> like, um, Thinking about Andrew Garfield doing this, to be honest, much of this was me thinking about his like dumb southern accent in Hacksaw Ridge and like not being able God. to not think about it. I always think Andrew Garfield is, a, is a, like a very subdued actor, like someone who doesn't really like go broad or big. But maybe that's not true. I never saw him in Silence. silence. But I think this is this is what I like about this choice is that I think we have seen him play a lot of different kind of characters that are so in one way or another just so different from this that it's almost shocking to ask him of this. <laughs> but there is something whimsical about him that I think he would really surprise us. Okay. You know what? I don't know if he's a good okay. actor. I'm going to say it. But oh, oh! so this is just about the quality of his acting. <clears throat> the last movie I saw him in whole. was The the Amazing Spider-Man 2. That was the last movie I saw him in. I mean, that was a bad movie. That was a bad movie. But I want to see him in – what was the one um, – it's like the, the mystery of the – under on Beneath the Silver Lake, the like detective movie. Oh. I'd see that. Yeah. But <laughs> – so I'm kind of in the woods on Andrew Garfield right now. This is not a. It's not on you. I'm just. I like you're I don't having know a crisis. This movie gave me a crisis to recast. I'll. I'll say that. <laughs> I am definitely kind of spiraling. Okay, Andrew Garfield. All right, good on you. Okay. Wow. We should move on before you literally blow a gasket. <laughs> um, um, okay. Vito Cornelius, played by Ian Holm. I never realized how funny Ian Holm is in this movie. Like he's, he's sort a of wacky. Of, he kind of has a lot of the slapstickier moments like getting saran wrapped in the bed and like popping out of the like the, the spaceship when yeah. they get to uh floston floston paradise <laughs> um just wait yeah so this podcast is gonna be two hours long because we haven't even gotten to chris tucker <laughs> <laughs> so um i think you're up Oh, okay. Um, I feel like I picked a very sort of generic choice. And this one was difficult because any older actor is going to have an immense amount of credits, Mm -hmm. I think. And so I was like, I am just going on the assumption that this man has never been in a sci-fi movie because most of his IMDb looked clear. Um, I picked Jonathan Price. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fucking Sparrow. Yes. From Game of of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Of so many things. Yeah, he's just a great character actor. Fully reliable. Also, I, as a big fan of Pirates of the Caribbean, I found him, I think, sort of funny in a in a cutesy sort of way mm-hmm. that I was like, I can see him doing some of mm-hmm. these, like, physical comedic acts and meeting that... Uh, that level of quality. This is all my fault. I am the servant. It is my mission. I should never have given it to you. I know. It's the key to the temple. Oh, no. Prepare for our arrival. I go to face my destiny. Yes. 
I don't want to go to Egypt. I looked at him, but I think that scared me off that I wasn't convinced about that exact thing. Like the humor of Cornelius is, I think was like, it's very important that Cornelius is kind of in over his head because Mm -hmm. that's where Corbin comes in. That's where like, why Corbin is necessary because Cornelius is charged with protecting Lilu and he, he's the most, he's not inept, but he's like, he's not up to task. Like physically, he, he's like an older man. Yeah. His protege is even less less capable. capable. (laughs) And, What's his name? David? Yes. Oh, that moment at the airport where like he's he's, he's trying to conv- – he's almost trying to convince himself that David is going to do OK. So I think it's a good pick. Mm-hmm. I just got scared about it just because I didn't know. But of course he could probably do it because he's a great actor. Yeah. I focused on a guy – and uh, it was funny. It's like he, this guy's Cornelius is definitely an English actor. But um, someone who could be – a little more inept that I, like I thought it was like who who could I get that could definitely be someone who is not up to task and this guy kind of always plays like villains okay but he he's kind of in a comedy I think he's very funny and he's recently in a comedy can you ever forgive me I picked Richard E. Grant now I will say this <laughs> okay picking him slightly bends the rules because he's going to be in a uh-oh. science fiction uh-oh but I figured since it hasn't come out yet that oh, it was cool. He's going to be in Star Wars. Yes. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel good, then you can do whatever you want. All right. But do you know who I'm talking about? Richard <laughs> yes, E. Grant. I do. Yeah. I just think he's really funny, and I can totally yeah. see him just being someone who is. He's definitely a welcome presence in anything he's in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I like that pick. Um. If you don't know him, I mean, I guess he's in girls. Why am I keep bringing up girls? He plays what's her name's dad. I really like <clears throat> girls. I watched a lot of it. Yeah. And you definitely fully support everything. Everything Lena Dunham, Lena Dunham has Dunham ever said. says and does. So, I mean, yeah, we get it. Give back your dog, guys. <laughs> After six years of caring for it. Yeah. I mean, if you get tired of it, who says you have to keep it? All right. Let's get to the main event. <laughs> the moment we've all been waiting for. Ruby Rod, played by the Chris Tucker. Um, Honestly, this is one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Chris Tucker was so big at this in this moment. Like he had just done Friday, and then this, and I think he was about to do Rush Hour. Like this was this was this was his his era. It he was owned like it. Friday is when we discovered him. Fifth Element is when we fell in love with him, and then Rush Hour was when we were like, "Yes, whatever you want, yeah. we will take it." What and then I- he was like. I think I'm done. I think uh, three rush hours. Three rush hours and I'm out. out. He's He's a genius. He's so funny. He's a genius. The bomb scene where they discover the bomb. Ian Holm and Chris Tucker say only say one word a bunch of times. It's like, what's this thing with all these numbers? It's, 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 no, 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 the alarms will go off because all these hotels have bomb detectors, right? No, 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 no. Because if it was a bomb, <laughs> all the signs will go off because all these shit. It's like he's uh, he's ahead of the game. This is another thing where it's like, who convinced Chris Tucker to do this movie? Yeah. Honestly, who saw Chris Tucker in Friday and was like, this man can do this? I, I, but it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's so so funny. Something that I really didn't realize in the many times I've seen this movie is that like you sort of think that Ruby Rod is gay. Mm-hmm. 
But he's not gay. He's like a also a womanizer. He's like a yeah. He's a complete philanderer. Like he maybe he's pansexual, but like like Chris Tucker swings wildly from like this full cartoon to this like Lothario, all while doing it in a leopard printed unitard and lipstick. I mean, it was just so so bizarre. Freeze those knees, my please, because Herb's in the place and he's on the case. Yesterday's frog will be tomorrow's friends of Frostan Paradise. A hotel of a thousand and one follies, lollies, and liquor mollies. A magic fountain floor with nonstop wine, women, and everything he says and does is so funny and having that character in an action sequence and just have to just be like chris you're just gonna be screaming for the next like six minutes and you're still like it's so fucking good and how the whole like conceit of the scene at the opera is that he's still like live on the radio right and so the president is listening to this so he can like hear what's happening and so he's like commentating this sequence of corbin trying to fight the uh i don't even know what they're called moldy looking dudes um so i could not find anyone like chris tucker no my closest approximation was someone who – this is really how I thought of it. Okay. I wanted someone who could talk as fast as him. Okay. Who has exhibited a sense of humor. Okay. And luckily has kind of become sort of like a, like a fashion icon, like a queer icon and has done big budget movies. I picked Ezra Miller. Okay. I am literally speechless. <laughs> I know. Don't worry. I'm going to cut out the long, long pause you just gave me to make it sound like I picked Ezra Miller. Yeah, that's a great choice. And the six minute discussion of him is just completely chunked out. I, I don't know. I'm just, I think I'm just a little taken aback because... In a weird way, Ezra Miller has sort of become Ruby Rod in real life. <laughs> right? Um, wow. Okay. 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 <clears throat> it is shocking, but acceptable. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I'm not saying, like, like, with these casts, I feel like you, I, like, I have to just admit, like, I'm never going to make the identical movie. And the goal is not to make the identical movie. Right. The goal is to see, like, who would be this today. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's who Ruby would be today. He would be a fast-talking, fashionista icon. I mean, that's who Ruby is. So it's yeah. just like, yeah, I mean, I think in just in his real life, he's just someone who's just kind of thinking a mile a minute. He just did, like, a Playboy spread where he, like... It's not like a nudie. It's not like a nudie. Sp- what, what, what am I? 1954. <laughs> but he's like wearing like a he's wearing like a woman's like business suit and like bunny ears and he's shirtless and he's just like in like these crazy poses. And I'm like, I think I don't know if he would do a movie like this. Yeah. But that's who I immediately thought of for this role. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's just also a little bit like. I'm experiencing a glitch in the matrix. I think it's hard to separate the Ezra Miller that's like perks of a wallflower. We need to talk about Kevin and is now like you're in the Fantastic Beast movies and the Justice League movies. But like you're also I'm, like I'm having trouble connecting his like uh, 
public persona with who he is as an actor. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, I just, I've just never seen him act something like this before. I've seen him be kind of like this wild and flamboyant and, and uh, quippy and in interviews, but like, we just haven't seen him create a performance like this. Not that he couldn't. It's just, wow. Well, that's where I landed. How about you? Um, so I decided to go with a genuine drag performer. Ah, uh, smart. Uh, because there are so many fantastic drag queens who have become public figures. And I am obsessed with watching drag queens <laughs> do their makeup on YouTube. Um, uh-huh. If you're curious what I do in my free time. Um and so, yeah, it just seemed like an easy choice to pick the correct persona to, I think, uh, in in another way, imitate this kind of performance. So I picked DJ Pierce, also known as Shangela. <laughs> Shangela. Um, uh, I'm will admit okay, I am well, not familiar, but um, anybody who has watched RuPaul's Drag Race. Is probably familiar. Sure, 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 um, sure. Shangela appeared in, I don't know which season, but I think she was also in All-Stars 3. She's been back. <clears throat> but also you might recognize on sort of a more mainstream stage. She was in A Star is Born. She was? Yeah. So there are like two pretty famous... Uh, well-known drag performers who act as like the the main MCs at the drag show. Where oh yeah, Allie performs. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I was about to ask, like, can she act? And then you're like, can she act? She's in probably the best picture of the year, motherfucker. I mean, I it's like, gonna, right. it's gonna win best picture. Um, yeah, and I just really enjoy. I just really enjoy like the personality that I think I see mm-hmm. um, on and off screen. And I think that it would be something uh, entirely different, but it would still be incredibly fun and well suited to the world as this very bright, uh, almost like anime-esque kawaii-like <laughs> yeah. thing. Like I think in that world, like why not have an actual drag performer create this character? Yeah. That's how I viewed it. And I love this choice. So there. So there. Take that, listeners. Oh. Give it a little sass. Just, I just like to approach everything as if everyone's mad at me. <laughs> so I can just defense. be like, who cares? Great. Well, you know what? We did it. We survived. This Yay. was difficult. Us. This movie is not difficult. This movie is wonderful. But uh, let's get to where does Barry Pepper go? All right. I had him as General Monroe. Interesting. I just had to think in my head because I had him as the president. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I was like, are they the same person? <laughs> They're not. No. The president is the president. President is the president. and the Which which one is General, General Monroe? He's the one who goes to recruit Corbin. Okay. Oh, okay. He's the white beard. He's there when Lilu is being remade, which is an awesome scene. Like, when they remake her, I know the graphics, like, don't hold up, but they still weirdly hold up. There are weird sequences of this movie where I'm like, this doesn't look... Like spaceships flying in the sky. This doesn't look bad. This doesn't right. look like it was made in the mid nineties. Right. So that's who I picked. Uh, the president also a great choice. He could have been any of the other sort of like cops that you see, or like the doctor. But I don't know. Isn't authority that the point? figures. Authority. Isn't that the point that 
Barry can really do anything he, can he really wants be to do. Anything, yeah. Yeah, he can do anything. Um, did you did you read that uh, Vin Diesel was the uncredited voice of yeah. the friend on the phone? Finger. Finger. Because then when I went back to look at clips, I listened for it, and now I can't get it out of my head. Because <laughs> if you don't know it's him, it doesn't. You don't really place it. But right. if you do know it's him, it sounds exactly like Vin Diesel. Still pining for that two time and slut. Forget about a man. There are million women out there. I want a million women. Just want one. Perfect one. Don't exist, Major. Is Vin Diesel the greatest voice actor of our life? Is he? Iron Giant? Oh, I forget about that. Groot? Yeah. And this? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's uh. so good you don't know it's him. <laughs> that's the that's the mark of a great actor. Yeah. That and driving a car that's fully lit on fire. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch all the Fast and Furious now, aren't I? You act like that's a chore. They are thoroughly enjoyable. Some are a chore. Two is a chore. Two sure. is a little bit of a chore, but whatever. Um, I don't have any notes. I just, you know, every time I watch this movie, I'm just in it. Yeah. I guess the only thing is that we talked about this off the pot earlier, but Jean-Paul Gaultier did the costumes for this movie. And it makes, it all just makes a little more sense. I don't know. You should always have like a a, a boundary pushing designer create costumes for a sci-fi movie. <laughs> for real. Because if this is what you get. Sure. If you get a fully open back tank top on Bruce Willis, let's do it. But it's like, you know, they want to know, like, we need to design a future that's logically progressed from where we are. Yeah. I don't like I I think I mean, costume designers have a great extension of fashion and and all that. But like to get someone that caliber, I think was just like a really smart idea. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, he was like fourth build in the production that you were just like, whoa. <clears throat> I mean. He's huge. He's huge. The man created the cone bra. That's true. Iconic. <clears throat> Anything else? No, I also did the same thing. I feel like I should have taken way more notes, but I was just very much enjoying myself. Yeah. I do have a question. When he bleeds. When Zorg bleeds. And yes. the blood comes in the head. What happens? What? The what evil, is happening? The darkness, like okay. the evil that's approaching is like entering their minds and like making them he's like torturing them from afar i believe so he's just like cuz there was no conceivable source no cuz they're on the phone like it happens in the beginning when it approaches the first ship and the captain is entranced with it and his eyes kind of like there's a light on his eyes like this really bright red light and then just blood Oh, I think I missed down. that. So it's just a nuance yeah. of the evil. Yeah, it's just like the evil is so powerful it can reach you from across space. That's how big it is. Um, mm. But it definitely looks like chocolate syrup when you watch it. It's weird. And his like, half mm. of his hair, half of his head is like a plastic cap. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. It's to keep the rain off. What? <laughs> <laughs> Like, is it a hat or is it, like, the style of his hair? You know what I mean? I imagine that it's all one piece, that he's bald and it's like a wig. And so half of it is plastic and then the hair is attached to the plastic. That's why it sort of flips over to one side. I could be wrong, though. It could be natural. I'd wear it. Style goals, guys, for 2019 is to dress like this movie. You know your movie's success when people, like, when you become, like, a Halloween costume. It's I think it's a testament to how good of a That's movie That's true. I mean, I do love the very, like, open shoulder vibe of all of Ruby Rutt's costumes. Yeah. Stunning. <laughs> okay, guys. 
Thanks for joining us on this week of The Boot. If you like this podcast, please check out our other podcasts. Please stick with us next week because we have another great movie in store for you. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please tell your friends. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us individually because... Um, because I have no matches. Coleman? I have no fire. <laughs> I'm no fire. Wow. At Kenetrant and at Flynn Okay, guys. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Sir, are you classified as human? Uh, Negative. I am a meat popsicle.